The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. and 31st episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with the proclivity for positivity. Uh, welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz. I almost jumped the gun there. I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend back from Atlanta for his week of All Elite Wrestling Fun, Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing? Man, I am doing great. I want to say again for the last time, happy birthday to my good friend Tiffany. We celebrated her 40th birthday in the only way we know how. Watching AEW Wrestling, we got Dynamite and Red Page. I saw them both live. It was amazing. You know, it's always loved the AEW experience and seeing everybody we know. But the weird thing was, and this really happened Friday night. So, I like, Friday night, I am super excited for Rampage. I'm like, Rampage is coming on, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know why. All day, I'm excited for this show. And then the show comes on, and I realize I've already seen it. Yeah? Yeah, I, I did. I don't know why it didn't click. I was just, you know, Wednesday, I watch Dynamite. Friday, I watch Rampage. I watch SmackDown, and I watch Rampage. That's what I do every Friday night. So, I watch SmackDown. It goes off. Like I always do, switch to TBS. The first match starts, and I'm like, I've already seen this. I'm going to bed. <laughs> and I took some, I went to sleep. But uh, yeah, um, so it was kind of cool. Definitely cool being there. Um, I will say this, and this is not a critique. This is a fact. I understand as a startup company, because you're still like a startup for five years, I believe. As a startup company, I understand you do what you take to cost. But as I'll find out next week when I bet winter is coming uh, or my wife will find out because she'll be going for the first time. It makes for a very long evening when you got Dynamite and Rampage. Yep. Because you walk in uh, East Coast, Central, wherever you are, you still get an hour of dark elevation, usually about three or four matches. Right. You get about five minute break if you need to run to the bathroom. Then it goes straight into Dynamite. And you get two hours of dynamite. Well, Tony comes out, introduces, then dynamite starts. And you get two hours of dynamite. You're trying to be hyped. You're trying to keep up the standard for what an AEW crowd is, right? So the show's off, and you have that, oh, the show's off kind of thing. And then it's like, 
Tony comes out, says, hey, about all these Rampage matches. And, like, so as soon as the show ends, like, 20% of the people leave. And then you're like, oh, okay, I got to, you know, kind of got to step up my cheering because, you know, people have left. So people are smart. People stayed sitting down, and then they watched the first match because the first match is basically the main event of Rampage, right? Yep. So everybody watched Sammy and uh, uh, Sammy and Tony Nese. Then another like twenty or thirty percent goes right, and mm-hmm. and then so you, then you get um, I forgot the second match. It was like a Jay Carkeel squash or whatever, and, and then you get FTR versus Pac in uh, this. By the time they're on, I will tell you, it's about 25% of the audience. And I mm-hmm. remember I had a friend that says, and the crowd goes mild. And I'm like, there was no crowd left. I'm like, there <laughs> might have been 8,000 when we were there. By the, yeah. time, by the time FTR got out there, 2,500, maybe. Like, we were in the third row. We just moved up to the first row or second row. And we just moved up to the first row because people in the first row were leaving. They paid the big money for the tickets. I'm out. This is too late. <laughs> this is too long of an evening. Like, I'm already pairing my wife. I'm like, okay, next week we're going to do this. And I'm just letting you know it's four hours of wrestling. And it's yep. like the first hour is basically kind of squash matches. And then you get the TV. That's exciting. And then you get the last hour. And it's just like, they said, we're not going to treat it like a B-show. We're going to continue like a extended version of Dynamite. And it's just like, no matter what, it's going to feel like a B-show because everyone's gone. Exactly. It's just, it was like, the crowd goes mild. I'm like, there was no crowd left. I promise you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yeah. And like, there was no crowd. I'm there. I'm there. And it's like, we're trying to spread out to make it look like like the fans are taking it on themselves to spread out to try to make it look like there's more people there because everyone's gone. Yeah, I feel like those shows where they decide to go and film Dynamite and Rampage at the same show, as they're also doing Dark, that's like kind of setting yourself up for a recipe for disaster. It really is, because like, yeah, you didn't see me a lot on Dynamite, but I was all over Dark, because I'm just like right there in the front row. And it's just like I don't know I, I don't know what to suggest because I don't suggest you book a whole nother night for a one hour show that financially doesn't make sense. Well, and, I feel like if they're gonna I feel like if they were gonna do that, like if they were gonna do a night where they were gonna have Rampage and they were gonna have like uh, Dynamite on the same sh- on the same night, I feel like then that's the week you would you would get a a day of just like. Do another thing at Universal, I feel like, for your dark stuff. Because they already do dark normal at Universal Studios. Um, and that's like two hours, I think. And then uh, if like you want to just get people in and out, like Dark Elevation, you get bigger stars, supposedly, and like um, less time. So I feel like it's like that would be fair enough to put at Universal. And then that way you don't kill the people watching four hours of wrestling. Yeah, it was. It's a lot. It's a lot to stay energetic for. Yeah, it's like, it's gen, like, it, dude. It was hard for me to stay energetic for like the five or six hours of fucking WrestleMania 34. That, that show was so long. Yeah, I'm sitting there, 
And, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like just as ended to the FTR match as possible. And I'm loving it. And they're doing their thing and they're hitting spots. And you just hear, yay, clap, clap, clap. And I'm just like, I, 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 I you know, I feel bad even though they know. Even though they know, I still feel bad for them because everyone's like, it's not because you suck. It's because everyone's exhausted. It's like, yeah. it's the long night because a lot of people don't just, you know, get there right when, uh, they don't get there right when the show opens, they're standing no. in line for 30 minutes to an hour so they can try to get merch. So it can make for a six hour night easily. And some people are driving from out of town. Yes, absolutely. We flew in. So our, you know, our day started at like, my day started at five o'clock in the morning. Yep. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm energy. I'm like, like trying to shop, put, and I mean, uh, coke and stuff. But again, I know everybody wants to talk about wrestling. I mean, talk about the actual, you know, wrestling. But I was just like, that's something that our fans, the people that listen to the show, if you're going to the show and you're getting a double show, yeah, I don't even know what to tell you to do. I have no advice except that hopefully this place has uh, energy drinks. Yeah, something along the lines of that. Yeah. Hopefully, you drink a ton of coffee. Yeah, I'm like like uh, with the Dallas show. I'm taking a five hour energy with me, and I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna shoot it like right before we walk in, and be like, okay, it'll keep me going for the length of the show. Yeah, well, let's let's hope for you in that regard. But, anyways, this is all things elite. We got a lot to talk about this week for AEW. Of course, we're leading into Winter is Coming too. And, of course, we've got stuff from Dynamite and Rampage. And, of course, I'm sure you can understand the reason why we weren't on last week for the show was because Floyd was tired from the week of wrestling that he had experienced. Yes, uh, I was. uh, The big thing was we record Tuesday night, right? So Yeah. And AEW was on Wednesday morning. Well, my flight left Wednesday morning at 6.10 a.m. So I had to be there at, like, 4.30. So you can't record until midnight. Yeah, because I'm still coming out of work. So yeah, so basically I would have had to choose to be a zombie and record the show or take my ass to bed and just skip a week. And I was just like, for quality of the show, I just figured, you know, go ahead and skip a week because I would have been like, okay, we're, we're trying to rush through the show so I can get like two hours of sleep before I get on a plane. And my day was going to be so long, I was just like, that's just stupid. I don't want to do that to the show. So, alas, yeah. I made the decision I hate to do. I hate making that decision to skip the w- a week of the show. But it was just like, to me, it was for the best of the show. Yeah, and that's pretty much all there is. But we're here. We got a lot to talk about. But before we get into everything, I want to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platform, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating and review. If you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. But the easiest way to support us is on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod, at Social Suplex, are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all the other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And, of course, the big news of the week is Road. we are on the road to Winter is Coming 2, which will be taking place 
Where would that be taking place, actually? I'm completely blanking on that. It is at the Curtis Colwell Center in Garland, Texas. Other than Jacksonville, I believe the Curtis Colwell Center is the leader in the most dynamites. Seemingly so, yeah. Well, I know my sister. My sister is still fucking fuming over the fact that now that Brandy Rhodes, spoiler, is back. We're still waiting on that Michigan show that seemingly never will come. Yeah, I be- but I'm believing, I'm like, I know this is at least three, but it may be their fourth time in the Curtis Colwell Center. Yeah, I mean, like, it might, it genuinely might be, I think. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but it seems like they go to Texas. Well, they have got so many shows that they'll do in Texas just simply because of just the amount of people that are there. That are there. Yeah, it's just, uh, well, yeah, it was like, I was just thinking out loud that it was like, I think they come, like, every four months. And, like, the, the first time they were there was in uh, December 11, 2019, was the first time they were there. So, yeah, they've been there three times. And I believe, no, this will be the third time. So they've been there twice before, and this will be the third time. So what they do is, like, even like last time, they kind of announced when they were going to be back. So they usually go about every six months because they were just there in July and they're back in December and they'll be back sometime next year. Uh, it's cool for me because <laughs> it's it's literally like two and a half hours away. And for a lot of people, that's a long drive. For me, that's around the corner. So I just drive out. I drive down that day watch the show and drive back home. So I wasn't even expecting to be at winter is coming to at all. Like wasn't, I didn't even know there was going to be a winter is coming to. And the fact that it was like, Oh, this show that you're already going to in your third row for is going to be winter is coming to. And you get, uh, Brian Danielson and the hangman in a, a world title match. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. If I would be too. Yeah. I would be too. Yeah. If you would guess, I'm pretty excited about that match. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be a load of fun, but we'll get right into AEW Dynamite, the first Dynamite of December 2021. Now, the show for this show, first off, we were unfortunately without AEW, we were without Jim Ross. Uh, We wish him the best, of course, as he continues to fight his cancer that he's been going through recently. We keep on fighting JR, um, but we opened up. With uh, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, continuing to knock down members of the Dark Order as he took on uh, Atlanta's own Dark Order, Alan Angels, number five. And, dude, Brian is just fucking, like, with all these people. I still love how, despite the fact that Brian's being a complete asshole, he still comes out of the face tunnel. I think it's the best, the fact that, like, he's not even necessarily, I mean, he's healing it up like crazy, for this match, but at the same time, though, it's like he's not actively like being a, like like wrong. He's not wrong. He's he's literally the meme of like, why are you booing? I'm right in the whole situation. But Alan Angels did a really good job in this match. He used a ton of speed in this match, and Brian continued to heal it up every time he went for moves. Like the week before, he literally knocked out. Cole Cabana's teeth in Chicago, and in this one, he had the uh, leg. In, he, he worked on his leg uh, with the knee bar and said he tore his MCL. It was like y'all don't even know what that is. 
He's like, we're going to be in Long Island next week, and I hear there's a Dark Order member from Long Island. I'll stomp his head in two, and on Winter is Coming in two weeks, I'm taking Hangman's title. And Hangman was on commentary for this match, and he's going to show it's not cowboy shit, it's coward shit. Hangman proceeds to try to get up into the face of Brian Danielson. Now, Tony Khan had apparently said before this match uh, that he can't touch Brian Danielson before Winter is Coming or else he'll be suspended. And Danielson was taunting Hangman, and eventually Danielson would walk to the back. Uh, now, this was a good opening match. Brian, this beating the shit out of the members of the Dark Order, is a great way to just build to that point of when Hangman finally gets his hands on Brian Danielson a little bit more. Now, the week before, he did get into a brawl with Brian Danielson in the ring after the Cocabana match, which I also thought was funny, too, because despite the fact that Brian was the heel, Hangman was the one who came out and tried to challenge uh, tried to defend the title immediately after Brian Danielson had a match. And he's like, of course you try to do that after I've already wrestled. And it's like, I mean, yeah, that's kind of like a, hey, right place, right time sort of situation. So again, it's literally Danielson's though. Why are you booing? I'm right. He's not like, he's being an asshole, but he's not being a heel, I feel like. But this was a great opening match, I feel like. I think Allen really showed his stuff, and I fucking love Brian Danielson. He's been great in this feud. It's a lot of fun. I hope to God that it doesn't end at Winner's Coming, though. I want a little bit more to come out of it, and I don't I, I don't know what we go for because if Hangman uh, hands uh, Brian Danielson his first loss, that'll be something. But um, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get more into the talk of like what will happen at uh, – Winners coming with that match, but it's 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 got it's a little bit interesting. I feel like I fucking loved how over Allen was Angels. He is from Atlanta. If you uh, if, if everyone didn't already know that, he was the guy from Atlanta, and he was just over, and he was getting Allen Angels chance. Uh, cool cool moment is uh, cool moment from this the week. Is, of course Wednesday was Tiffany's birthday, and I put a message out to. Uh, you might have heard this tag team, you might not, but they're from the uh, Nightmare Family, TSF. And I was asking if uh, they could come have lunch for our birthday. So our new favorite wrestler, one of our new favorite wrestlers, Rosario Grillo, he's at Jay Grillo on Twitter, came and had lunch with us today. And they brought her a gift, like with TSF stuff on it. So they pretty much wow. they got themselves a fan for life. So, yes, make sure you're following at Jay Grillo and at Hunter Not on oh it's at Jay Grillo twenty three and then uh, Hunter Not is at H Not that's K N O T T twelve. Make sure you're following them and supporting them. They're freaking awesome people. And yeah, and it was like it, I actually got to knock off something off my bucket list, which. I kind of got to on the boat because I talked to Suge D for a while, but always been on my bucket list is just to like sit down, have lunch, and have a casual conversation with a wrestler, dude. Yeah. I think we I think we had like a two hour conversation, so that is all the way off my bucket list, which is great. And uh, Grillo and Alan Angels are pretty tight; uh, they're they're uh, close friends. So uh, he was really happy for his friend that he got to uh, get in there with Dan uh, Brian Danielson. And Alan Angels is amazing. I mean, I mean, the dude is just a really good wrestler. Like the one that really, I think, got him signed, and everybody started noticing his name is when he had that match when he was just going by like he wasn't five. He was just Alan Angels, and he was wrestling Kenny Omega, and they put on that amazing like eight minute match or whatever. And yeah, and he's just been on the rise ever since then. So it was cool 
he got to wrestle in front of like eight to ten thousand people or whatever the number was in Atlanta or in the Atlanta area in his hometown. That is pretty freaking awesome for him. So I was happy for Allen. Yeah, no, and he got like I said, great response. And Brian Danielson is getting the exact response that he wants. He's working the crowd so well. I love that he brought back the whole fickle chant. I thought that was great. And yeah, this this has been a ton of fun to watch. I'm literally just wondering where the hell this goes and like do they do they shotgun this and end it like super quickly with the whole with at winter is coming or do they let this build? Do they continue to go down this path and then we see where where we go from here because I don't I don't know what they end up doing. But Moving into the next segment, though, we had a small vignette for the Redeemer Miro, basically talking about, like, like just continuing to speak a little bit cryptically. He's in front of a white background, which was a little bit awkward, I felt like, but it was it was just weird because he's been showered in darkness in every other promo that he's been in. But he talked about, like, my God, the line has been drawn. I was looking for love, but now I only have fear. The second one I will embrace this is the word of the Redeemer. Again, like, we're just, we're seeing Miro as he tries to, like, come back. He was at, like, the peak of his career in AEW with that TNT title reign. He's kind of, like, gone away a little bit, working his way back. I don't believe he has an injury, which is why he's not on. I don't believe that's the case. Um, but it's just been a little bit of time since we've seen him. And uh, they're just trying to make sure people don't forget Miro, which I don't think that's possible because Miro's great. Yeah, Miro is one of those people. They are, I think, after they got rid of the Kip thing, they booked perfectly. Because the one thing you hate about the monsters is they're a monster and they can't be beat. And then all of a sudden they just start getting beat out of nowhere. And it's just like, and they're never a monster again. They have maintained his monsterness. You know what I mean? He's still a monster, but he's a monster with a weak neck, and he's working on strengthening his neck. It's an actual storyline to why he has, you know, everyone knows his weakness. And so there's a storyline to why he's not as effective as he was. Sure. And at the same time, too, I think it's fair for when the monster gets beaten, like, finally— to take him away and like have him go away and like regain his power and all this kind of stuff. I think that's fair. Cause then that keeps that monster idea relevant for when he does come back. And then he does start wrecking shop again. I think that's fair to do, but now we get into my favorite part of the show. Me talking about CM Punk. So CM Punk had another match, uh, in AEW. Uh, he faced off against Lee Moriarty. He has been undefeated since he came into, uh, AEW. However, as CM Punk was about to get in the ring to face Lee Moriarty, MJF's music hit, and the one thing uh, uh, we we didn't get the chance to talk about was what happened with uh, the 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 night before with MJF's uh, promo. Uh, that was the one yes. thing I think we. That was we the one the reason I did not want to skip last week. Yeah. The one so, reason because I wanted to hear you wax poetic about. That uh, that uh, that communication. And if you don't mind, sir, I know you weren't expecting this. I wish I would have told you before the show. If we want to rewind a little bit, can I? I, I don't need to put my thoughts because I I always think you do such a great job. <laughs> what did you think about the first CM Punk and MJF promo off? Well, I will tell you exactly what I thought. I, I will keep my thoughts mostly brief because I do want to talk about what happened on tonight's show with Punk and MJF. But they gave these guys 20 minutes of just slewing, slinging words at each other. 
if that doesn't show you how like over these guys are when they're on the microphone, I don't know what will. Like MJF was being a complete dick. He took the shots that you knew he was going to take, finish you faster than your UFC career. Uh, you starred, you wrote comic books nobody read and starred in movies nobody saw, called him PG Punk. He's like, at the, where's the guy I grew up on, the ass kicker, the man that didn't give a damn? Because at this point, you're coming out, you might as well be coming out here preaching hustle, loyalty, respect. And Punk immediately firing back at this man, calling him a less famous Miz, saying he'll punch him in his needle dick. And I was selling out Madison Square Garden when you were marking out for Rosie O'Donnell. The only way that you're going to be a pillar because you've already been replaced by Britt Baker, the only way you become a pillar again is if you if we wait around for Tony to have a daughter that you end up marrying. They did not fucking stop with the bombs that they were dropping on each other. So much so that the other company is trying to gaslight onto it and act like, oh, hey, we're also part of this conversation, too. When Edge cut the promo saying, you've got people in other companies, Miz, saying your name to get a cheap reaction. Look, if that's a cheap reaction, it's the best reaction money can buy because that crowd went fucking nuts. I want to throw this in there. They're trying to do this with... 40-something-year-old CM Punk and 24-year-old or 25-year-old MJF. WWE's trying to do it with 48-year-old Edge and 41-year-old Miz. It ain't the same. No. It ain't the same. Yeah, I just had to throw that out there. It was just like, it's so ridiculous. (laughs) No, it's fine. Like, again, continue to try to, like, take the wind out of CM Punk's sales in AEW. Because every time you try, you show your ass to the entire world. That's fine. But that promo, that segment was incredible. It's honestly like it's it's hard for me to d- decide. I would honestly say I would still rank the Eddie Kingston segment with Punk higher because Eddie was more vicious. Because when Punk was when when MJF was going like the only line that I thought that was like good that was like outside of like the the ones that you knew he would take like the you failed in UFC ha 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 or whatever you lost to Cena or you lost to the King of Kings or something along the lines of that. Um, because like the only line I thought he said was like, it's funny how somebody who like is straight edge looks so much like a meth addict. That was a good line, but the whole PG punk thing and him like being like, your breast smells like shit. It's cause you're kissing ass. I was just like, okay, like it's like your, your shots aren't hitting it like you think you are. But regardless, it was an amazing segment. Uh, I would still rank the Eddie Kingston one higher. And again, I like I knew this feud was money the moment that they literally went out and Punk shut up MJF without saying a word. It was money. Now, getting into this week, though, uh, MJF interrupts Punk as he's doing his entrance against Lee Moriarty. And then we have the glorious nod of him being on commentary for this match. And the motherfucker will not shut up. He's literally talking about like, oh my god, man, this is just sad. Like, I grew up on this guy. He was so great. He's such a loser now. Like, he like took his he took his ball and went home. He's gassed right now. He can't beat somebody like me or Lee Moriarty. Lee in the match though is doing great. Punk is doing great as well. Um, and MJF is just going on and on and on and on about all this kind of stuff. And eventually, CM Punk is able to nicely. Uh, hit a running boot to uh he's able to get uh punk hoisted as he lifts him up for to the gts finishes him off gets the win punk is continuing to be undefeated in aew mjf then cuts off cult of personality continues to call him pg punk 
you like, look, last week you said you were disappointed in me, which is interesting because I'm actually proud of you. It takes balls to call yourself the best in the world when you struggle to beat guys like QT Marshall and Lee Moriarty. And he's like, these days you're more interested in getting in the pants of Britt Baker. You're not CM Punk. You're one pump chump. And proceedingly, uh, Punk responds by saying, you've got the nerve to come out here talking about pants when you've been wearing Larry David's pajamas, wearing the the Judaism and the the Jewish uh, pajamas that he's got on, like, for Hanukkah. And then he's like, look, QT Marshall and Lee Moriarty are both better than you and you know it. Shut up. Get in the ring. I'll kick your ass and kick you in your needle dick all the way back to Long Island. MJF says, no, you need me more than I need you. Like he's listening to an Ed Sheeran song from 2011. And he's like, but don't worry. I'm going to show you what a real professional looks like next week when I'm in the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal in Long Island, my hometown. It's going to be better than Piper in Portland, which at this point, Punk is literally laughing in the middle of the ring. It's going to be better than Brett in Canada, better than CM Punk in Chicago. Because you can laugh all you want, but I'm going to be amongst my people chanting my name at the top of their lungs. And then also... Speaking of loud noises, you must have brought your dog Larry back to the show because I heard him yapping in the back. If you bring that dog back, I'm putting Larry to sleep. That's the point when Punk comes out and starts chasing MJF. He starts running away, and here comes Wardlow. So, here we go. I feel like I have the need to comment on this because if if y'all aren't familiar with my show that I did before, All Things Elite, I used to do a show with my good friend Chad called Pinned a Pro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, now, we were had the uh, oh-so-lovely uh, uh, ability to be at StarCast on Podcast Row for All In Weekend, which we're still unbelievably grateful that we even got that opportunity. During StarCast, we got to be on Podcast Movement's uh, stage that they had in the lobby uh, doing a live podcast in front of people that were waiting in line for meet and greets. And it was a ton of fun time. It was a lot of fun. We enjoyed our time there. Uh, MJF actually crashed our booth at that show, uh, and you can still hear it. It's on our Spotify and everything like that. If you search up Pin Podcast, uh, it's literally MJF crashing our booth and like talking shit towards us. And um, so, here's the deal: back at All In, like people really didn't know who MJF was, and people who say they did, they didn't. Um, and I feel like you know him being on our show, he got his first real boost because the crowd were really going nuts for MJF at that show. He was really working the crowd and doing a great job. So I feel like my show helped make MJF a person in wrestling. So I feel qualified to talk about this, and I consider MJF a good acquaintance with mine. This man's a stan. This man is dear punk. I wrote you, and you still ain't calling. I left you my cell, my pager, and my home phone at the bottom. Sent you two letters and bought them. You must not have got them. This man is a stan. This man is a man who saw CM Punk wrestle in the mid-2000s and in the in early 2010s, fell in love with CM Punk, was one of the reasons why he got into wrestling, and then when Punk made the decision to leave wrestling because of the other company in 2014, he went instead of another route where most fans like myself were like, okay, you know what, I understand why you're not wrestling anymore. I respect it. Like, no one should go through the things that you went through. I will support you in whatever endeavors that you choose to do, whether you fail, whether you succeed. I'm a fan because I love your work. You've given me a lot of great moments. MJF decided to go the Twitter troll route of, no, you took your ball and went home. Look at this guy. He's not as good as he was in the other company. This is so sad. He's such a quitter. He's blah 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 When it seems like this man is sad he wasn't remembered. 
he wasn't remembered back from that picture that was taken of him back when he was a little baby boy next to CM Punk at a meet and greet. This man is triggered. He is a mad Twitter troll who was a stan of CM Punk back when he was literally selling out Madison Square Garden and he was trying to get into wrestling because of CM Punk. So, look, if, like, like MJF just needs to know it, and he'll never see this, that's fine, but MJF is the definition of a stan, and it's sad to see, it really is, because the moment this man gets in the ring, because he had an opportunity, Punk literally opened up the ring for him to come and try to fight him after he had already wrestled a match. Like, you talk about how he's gassed and all this other kind of stuff, but you won't even get in the ring with CM Punk after he's wrestled for over 10, 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, you call out, you take another low-hanging fruit jab saying you're going to kill his dog because that's the most, like, disrespectful and just low thing you could possibly say. Punk chases after you. You run away and hide behind one of your goons yet again. So, look, MJF, like, Punk may be named CM Punk, but, like, MJF's the biggest punk bitch that there is, and he's going to get his ass kicked by CM Punk. And, like, maybe then he can finally maybe look at that poster that's hanging on his wall and be like, you know what, maybe I fucked up. Maybe I should apologize. So that's all I got to say on that. Well, you said enough. I will say live. It was amazing uh, to see how how they kind of control the crowd with the palm of their hands. It's like, you know, MJF has this ability anytime he wants to, to shut up the crowd and get whatever reaction he wants. CM Punk's the same way. Uh, CM Punk is just like in the mic in his hand. It's a weapon. And I feel the same way about MJF. And I just like, I, I, I still say, so. like some people have taken... One side or another said MJF one, said CM Punk one. I am going to take the wuss, the 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 uh stay in the middle way and just say, I think it's a tie and they're both amazing in their own different <laughs> way. Um they both have thrown out some amazing barbs. Uh when after that first week, I was like, Oh, they don't have anything left for the second week. I oh no. Them. No, I was wrong. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing to see this is professional wrestling. I mean, I know a lot of people like, oh, they like the entering work, but to me, everything, everything that happens is encompassing in what professional wrestling is. And like CM Punk may be a step slower in the ring, may not, maybe working a different style than he used to in the ring. But oh my God, when he's on that mic, yeah, he's still CM Punk. He can be. He is still the CM Punk from the summer of Punk and the times that he was like my favorite wrestler and I loved him. So, yeah, I got to see him. I got to see him live, be him, and pretty much you see a pipe bomb every week on AEW when he has the mic in his hand. And it's amazing. So, yeah, that was great. Yeah, and then again, getting off of kayfabe bullshit like what I was doing. Uh, no, MJF's doing great. He's literally being the exact kind of just like arrogant son of a bitch that's trying to take every single jab at Punk that he can to just get him angry so he'll slip up and make a mistake. Yeah. Uh, Punk is great. He's still clever and witty like that whole thing. 
Um, he's not lost a step on the mic. And people can say he's lost a step in the ring. I don't see it. I really don't. Like he's he's wrestling really good matches. Like I've I've seen him. Like yeah, you could possibly say that maybe he's not as agile as he was, but even still, he's not bad at wrestling. He's still just as good as he was back when he was there. Was, but maybe he's just maybe not as quick as he was with transitions and stuff as you may have remembered. I will say this. His actual match took the energy out of the building. <laughs> and then the promo brought it back. Because it was so... I think, it's that, I, think, it was well, so I, think I think that's just because of the... Like, it was against Lee Moriarty, and there's my, nothing there. My big thing is... My big thing is this. He wrestles different than anyone in AEW. There is an yes. AEW exciting, fast-paced move style. CM Punk slows down every match that he's in. It really doesn't fit into what AEW does. But like I said, he brought the crowd right back after it. So I'm like, hey, that's amazing. But yeah, I, I, I when he says, can he hang? I'm like, okay, when you wrestle Darby, that was more of an AEW style match. And it's just like. Well, I don't. I feel like it's kind of. It's still kind of similar, though. But the difference is like there's more. There's more weight to the match. I think the simple thing with this was that like it's not like every match. Like one of the matches that he wrestled, like with Darby, was more like fast paced or something like that, which it kind of was. But that's just because Darby's so fucking fast. I think more so just because like similar with the QT match from last week and with the Lee Moriarty match with this week. These are people that like. It's cool to see Punk wrestle these guys, but there's no weight to it. Again, that's why Absolutely. that's why the Eddie Kingston, that's why the Darby Allen, that's why the soon to be MJF match is going to be the big matches that Punk is in because there's weight to it. These matches are matches to build up CM Punk's record and to get him in the ring with people he hasn't wrestled before. Like that's it's just how it is. I feel like Eddie Kingston just he fought a style that was conducive to what 44 year old CM Punk can do which is just knocking the shit out of each other. You know, that works. You know, you can always make that look good. And it's just, we will see. Maybe, like I said, maybe I'm seeing something that's not there, which is fine. I mean, he's been wrestling for, what, four months after being off for seven years? I might need to give him some time. But it just, seem, it just seems like when he's in the ring, whether it was him or I forgot the other guy that he wrestled, that wasn't Eddie Moriarty. Yeah, uh, no, not Lee. I'm talking about. There was another match where he just had a match, and it was QT? just yeah, and it was just like yeah, this happened. Okay, is this almost over? Okay, please. Okay, it's done now. Yeah, that's how <laughs> I felt about CM Punk's matches, and it was just like I understand who he's fighting and all that kind of stuff, and there's a lot of a lot of different in there, but I just like. The reason I don't think his segments are drawing like he was is because right now they don't mean anything. Now, if they're building yes. up to CM Punk versus Wardlow, like, winter, yeah, that'll draw. Hey, winner's coming, CM Punk versus Wardlow, you know. That'll draw, yeah. It, it, you know, it's going gonna to put that good taste in old Floyd's mouth because I get to watch CM Punk ride live wrestle. Because I still get just as excited as I was when I thought I was going to get to see CM Punk live at WrestleMania at 30 and, you know, that, you know, life happened for him. And it's now it's just like now it's just like I, every match I, I feel that excitement for. But I just like when I watch it, it's just like I kind of check out and then I check back in when he hits to go to sleep. So I want to 
get more. I want more. I, I need some weight. I need some. I need him versus Sean Spears. I would be excited for. I just need. Yeah, it's just it's coming. just yeah. Some of the matches that he's having right now on Dynamites or on Rampages just, just don't have the weight to it, and that's just because they're not built to enough. They're just matches that are put together to give Punk another win, and like that's fine. But I mean, there's there's only so much that we can say about it. It's really that's all that we have more to say about the promos than we do mostly about the matches because of that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, that's all I got to say. All about right, that. moving on from my CM Punk tirade, uh, we had AEW Women's Champion Dr. Britt Baker D- DMD talking about how Jamie Hader is going to face Riho next week uh, because Riho uh, is like got a chance to go for the women's title, and we then had Adam Colbebe join the broadcast booth. Uh, and you could tell there was tension between him and Tony Schiavone. I wonder why. And then uh, freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy comes out. Now, he wasn't in a match for this part. So Orange gets in the face with Adam Cole, puts his hands in his pockets. And then the Young Bucks show up. And they look like they're about to super kick Orange Cassidy. But then Cassidy turns around and catches them. Turns around and starts softly kicking the, well, not softly kicking, like viciously kicking the Young Bucks. And then Adam Cole low blows him. And then that's when the Bucks mock Orange Cassidy with, like, vicious super kicks until they eventually hit the double super kick. They almost get hit with a super... He almost gets hit with a super BTE trigger until Wheeler Yuta and Chuck Chuck Taylor come out and chase off the Bucks and Adam Cole. So this was a nice segment. This continues on from what happened last week on Rampage when... Bobby Fish and Adam Cole teamed up to face off against Wheeler Yuta and Orange Cassidy. That match was really good. We couldn't really talk about it, but that continued off of that. Um, Orange Cassidy and uh, Adam Cole is uh, an interesting feud. It kind of like, in terms of like like Orange Cassidy's character, gives me a little bit of vibes of like when Orange when uh, Adam Cole was going up against Pat McAfee. Just in the just in the like not even like in terms of wrestling quality or anything like that, but in terms of like Adam Cole feeling like he's being disrespected by somebody who's like like beneath him and stuff like that. Uh, it gives me a little bit of. Uh, vibes of that and i like it because his stuff that he did with pat was great i'm loving what's going on with him and uh, orange cassidy and i think this is a lot of fun and it's going to build to a match that i think will be a lot of fun to watch as well adam cole has been i mean you covered the segment not a lot more to add but he's been the topic of conversation people saying they felt like he was demoted moving from uh nxt to uh <sighs> aw it actually made me it actually actually physically made me laugh because it's just like i watch i I I follow follow a twitter i follow a twitter account called cringe wrestling tweets and it's like the it like you watch it and you just see what wrestling twitter is doing and you're just like okay i've had my fill yeah and it's just like i watch both shows religiously i don't miss either one and i'm just like adam cole got like was in a five-way match where he basically got stacked and pinned by Killer Cross or Karrion Cross, and then he had a singles match with Karrion Cross where it was a good match, but Karrion Cross dominated him and won. And I'm like, I'm asking people, and from what I understand, one of the ideas was pitch for him to be a manager. And I'm yep. like, so I'm like, if that being said and true, I, I'm assuming those things are true. Yeah, and no, what, the, the, the prevailing rumor was that he was going to be a manager for yeah, Keith Lee at one yes. point. So, 
how in what way has he been downgraded in AEW where this man has not been pinned or submitted in any match? Any match has he been pinned or submitted? And, you know, one of their pillars is Jungle Boy, and he has a win over Jungle Boy, and he has been nothing but featured and on TV every week to the point where they literally... And in, in, in Atlanta, literally his whole segment was him coming out to his music going, boom, Adam Cole, baby. And then boom. And then walking to the back. Cause that's how over that man is. Yeah. No, he came out, did his entrance, did his boom, went to the commentary desk. Then Orange Cassidy came out and interrupted him. And then they had the whole situation that happened there. Yeah, yes. You people. Wanna- Oh, no, go ahead. What did you say? No, people are, like, looking at this right now, and they are comparing it to what happened with the Undisputed Era because the Undisputed Era was NXT's most powerful and best faction that they ever had. Literally, he was NXT champion for, like, I want to, I need to actually look up what his reign was, but he was NXT champion for a very long time. He held the belt for a very long time, and despite the fact that people have long-term memories when it comes to that, but short-term memory when it comes to things that have recently happened, like, that's what they hold on to. So, yeah, Adam Cole held the day, held the uh, NXT championship for 396 days, uh, 403 that were recognized. So he held it for, like, well over a year. He's got one of the longest reigns. In fact, he has the longest reign as NXT champion, and that's the thing that people are holding on to. Now... But they don't Again, realize, remember how long it took him to win the title. How many times he lost to Johnny Gargano before he won the title? Dude, he 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 like when when he was getting when he first showed up in in NXT, like it was just becoming the year of Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. He wasn't breaking through. Yeah, no one was. He Keith lost- Lee wasn't doing it. Like nobody was breaking through that storyline because it was it was dominating NXT. There you couldn't pass it. Yeah, he lost to Aleister Black at a takeover, I remember. Yeah, takeover mm-hmm. Philadelphia. He lost that match. He put people over before it was his turn. So I I, I love people just wants to fast forward to that middle where he had the long reign. But there was, there was time yeah, before re- that, and there was time after that, which I'm just saying... You give AEW time and see where it goes as opposed to and like I'm not a wait like wait and see is pretty much my default with anybody in any storyline. But this one, it's like he's undefeated. He's he was with the hottest act on the company for months, right? And now mm-hmm. he's the de-, de facto leader of that hottest group, even though they don't say it. I don't know. Yeah, what, I mean, what dude, else do you wrestling, want? Wrestling, wrestling Twitter fans have selective history that they like to pick and choose and pull from, which is the type of thing that losers do when they pick and choose things that they like to remember, but then distinctively yeah. forget other shit. Like, yeah, 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 Adam makes- Cole was Adam Cole was amazing in NXT, and anyone who tries to tell you that he wasn't amazing in NXT is just being like ridiculous, and they're being a shill for AEW, and that's they're being ridiculous. They, Adam Cole not- was over as hell in NXT. He was massive. The undisputed was mass. Undisputed era was massive. But to say that he's been demoted because he went to AEW and what he's doing right now is just being full of shit. Yeah, and I ask you to go to shopaew.com. Scroll to the bottom because they're pretty upfront. And look at the type of selling items of the week. And there's only one wrestler 
with three items in the top 10. Uh, who would you think that would be, uh, Mr. Austin? Uh, well, if we take a look right now at the top selling items in the week, well, on the website at least, we have two CM Punks, two Adam Coles, and there's a third Adam Cole because he hasn't put a little coal in your stocking, baby. Yes, he's three of the top ten selling items. Adam Cole is fine. Yeah, <laughs> Adam Cole is fine. Don't it's you that worry. Simple. Don't don't you worry about Adam Cole. And I just want to shout out to my boy Mikey Ruckus. When it comes to themes, that man does not miss. Good luck. No. Dude, I never thought I would. I was like, man, I missed the Undisputed Era theme. I missed the Undisputed Era theme. Nothing's ever going to touch the uh, Undisputed Era theme. Then I was in the arena at Atlanta. It's all about the boom. Yep. Oh, and my they God. timed it perfectly. Yes. Now. That's the thing. It took and... them a little time, but they've been able to time it perfectly for the boom. Yeah. And it works amazingly. And they time it well for the Adam Cole babies as well. Now, I know people have – this will be a slight uh, slight off-topic thing. I know people are kind of split on the Brian Danielson theme. I like it, honestly. Brian Danielson's theme, to me, has always been people screaming yes. That's his yeah. theme. But like whatever the background music the is crazy. Yeah, no, like they, they, they actively put in the you're going to get your fucking head kicked in chant for people to chant along to, and they're too busy chanting yes to the beat that they're not even doing that. Yes, so I'm just saying, his chant is yes. I mean, whatever music they play behind the yes is fine, but it's like, yes, yes, you know, that's what it is. I mean, Brian Danielson is one of those people that, you know, his theme is kind of as simple as he is. He's a guy that wears a white T-shirt to the ring and kicks people in his head, and that's what his music represents. It's a very simple thing. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's not. He's Adam Cole is the whole product from the time yep. his music ends to the time he walks back. So what his music is is very important to his character. It is less so for Brian Danielson. One hundred percent. But. Moving on from that segment, though, with Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole and the Young Bucks, we have Mr. Mayhem himself, Wardlow. He already made an appearance on the show with Sean Spears by his side, facing off against the debuting AC Adams. It was a squash. It was a squash I, I, match. I felt bad for the guy as soon as I was like, huh, he's going to die. Yeah, nothing much you could do. And then he got a steel chair shot from Sean Spears just for the hell of it. Uh yeah, it was a squash match. I, I love I love Crazy Sean Spears. I know it's been going on for a few months, but it's one of those low key like favorite ancillary characters. Is that he just snaps and starts beating you with a chair? Like Sean's the dude, is really fucking good. I yeah, love I love like, like like the dude that did nothing and just like huh. Well, I can hit him with the chair, so I'm gonna do it. And then he just starts beating the crap. And Warlow has to look at him, and he's like, okay. Okay. I want somehow Sean Spears to find a way because now that Adam Cole's in AEW, I want Sean Spears to find a way to get Tyler Breeze to come to AEW just so that way we can have like the entire flatback school of wrestling team up and then we can have a little bit of a small reunion of the party. Yeah, but, yeah, that's cool. They did a, a reunion on it was the party was on Twitter, I believe. Yep. They just did a kind of a, a mini reunion on Twitter. And I just thought that was really cool. I, yeah, well, I know yeah. I know Breeze and, and Cole have been streaming on Twitch a lot more of them playing like Halo Infinite and stuff like that because I know how big of a Halo guy that uh, Adam Cole is. And then, or also, and then Creed actually tagged Adam Cole in a tweet, which is 
amazing to try to get him a skin on Halo, which is amazing because honestly, when people leave WWE for AEW or leave WWE for anywhere, you generally don't see their Twitter still interact. Unless, like, uh, you'll see AEW people mention uh, yeah, WWE yeah. people, yeah, but, but I don't think you'll see it the other way around just because yeah. I feel like they're so the, supposed to. Yeah, so. Austin Cream must be feeling some kind of way because he's like tagging Adam Cole. Well, they do. They're literally having like the people from Up Up Down Down are boycotting because they won't pay Creed for fucking Up Up Down Down. Yeah, and it's just it's crazy. Uh, but Austin Creed is like the busiest person in the universe. So he's a host on G4, and now he has a show on Nickelodeon, like the holiday gift giveaway or something like that. Like, dude, yeah, Austin Austin Creed is one of those people. Like you know, they I, uh, he he coined the term called your same age uh, role models. He's my same age role model. You know, he's a little younger than me, but like that dude, like works so so hard, but he never seems like he's working. You yeah. know what I mean? No, it's, like it's like he works hard, but he never seems like he's quote unquote at work. And that's my favorite thing. When you can be getting paid to still be yourself and still have fun, that's, you know, that's the job you want. Yeah, he's one of those people I still want to meet for sure. But getting back on track with AEW, we had the Gun Club, Billy Gunn and Colton Gunn with Austin Gunn at ringside, teaming up to face Sting and Darby Allin, Sting's first match in Atlanta in almost 14 years. Uh, This was a big match. Um, I was always kind of like confused a little bit on the gun club feud against sting and darby allen but i know it was to build towards this match first off every time billy and darby allen are in the ring it just like fucking he just swings this motherfucker around he's so big i can never get over it like the fact that sting's almost slightly looking up at billy when they're face to face is nuts billy Um, gun is a huge human just like there is big there's like 6'4", and then there's Billy Gunn 6'4". He just looks taller and bigger than people that are three inches taller than him. That I saw the video on the camera. cruise, on the Jericho cruise, when he was like like taunting somebody at the entrance ramp and stuff like that. And I'm like, why would you try to do this, dude? Like, don't say shit. Yeah, he's such a huge human being. And it's like, when people are like, why is Billy Gunn getting time? I'm like, tell me somebody on the roster that has a better physique. Tell me where Billy Gunn looks like he slowed down. That dude, that dude is fifty six, and I guarantee you he moves just as well as he did when he was thirty eight. It's like he's the found the fountain of youth, and hey, you use him because he obviously doesn't really care about winning. He'll put anybody over. It's not like he's on this like ninety game win undefeated streak or something like that. They've won a bunch of matches on dark, and they've built to. They built their undefeated streak to lose to somebody that is ranked higher, and that's Sting and Darby Allen, the undefeated tag team. I just think it's just like anybody brings up Billy Gunn, I say this: go say it to his face. I dare you. <laughs> well, no, now now that Billy Gunn's been getting TV time, that one clip from the Hall of Fame is showing up where he's like, where they have the entirety of DX in the ring, and Billy's like, "Hey, he can't fire me now," and then the crowd starts chanting AEW, and, and Triple H goes, "He'll buy that pissant company just to fire your ass again." I'm just like Willie now, as he's actively trying to sell his own company, but he'll buy AEW. Okay, I just love that clip though. Just it, it's it always so makes me funny. laugh because you know. Shot Khan has more money than 
Yeah, Shahid Khan has a lot yeah, more. Yeah, money. so it's like if he wakes up, if he woke up tomorrow with Vince McMahon money, he would probably shoot himself. <laughs> but anyways, back to the uh, Gun Club and Sting and Darby match. Uh, this is a good tag match. Uh, Sting got to get into the ring and really get in and just start cleaning house near the end of the match, hitting Stinger splashes. Got Colton with a spine buster. Uh, they finished off the match with a Scorpion death drop onto Colton Gun, getting the pin. Uh, Gun Club, who was undefe- had an undefeated streak, they lose. It's a nice victory for Darby and Sting. This is another match to get Sting in to get him some wrestling work and stuff like that, and get him in front of like the Atlanta faithful and have them go fucking nuts for him. Because like, I mean, dude, that's 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 Turner that's Turner crowd. Uh, but yeah, this was a lot of fun. Honestly, I don't feel like you could have a bad feeling about this match because this was just fun. I feel like. Other than Adam Cole, probably the loudest pop of the night. I am shocked. I will still say this. Come shocked at how over Adam Cole is, but when Sting and Darby came out there, oh my god! Nope. Darby yeah. is Darby is just on another level. I'm I, telling you, man, yeah, dude. I told. I was saying this from the fucking. I was saying this from the goddamn Cody match at Fighter Fest. That kid, I knew he was gonna go off and just fucking do numbers with yeah. AEW. Dude, he is on a different level. Uh I I you know, I'm like I feel like if he's he's should be the world champion within the next year. I truly do. I know they do long title reigns, so I won't hang man to get his full title reign whatever that is, but it's just like I don't know how long Darby's career is going to last. Let me say that. Because, <laughs> Seriously, because yeah. He throws his body around either him getting the TNT title back, him uh, winning the world title, it needs to happen because he is the face of the company. It's like in a lot of ways he's the face of the company because he represents everything that is different about AEW than anybody else. No one in any other company is his size. Like, no, I mean, again, he, he's he, like Punk said, he's the heart and soul of AEW. No one wrestles like him. You can't, you know... When they t- talk about wrestling and they be like, oh, it's kind of Jeff Hardy. No. That no, dude no. throws his body around recklessly and violently, and I love it. Dude, this- the fucking – the one spot that I couldn't – we couldn't talk about from last week where Darby literally runs out of the, t- the tunnel just to shotgun himself into fucking Colton Gunn. Dude, no one performs like Darby. Darby is one of one. Like, I've always said it's been a complete turnaround for what I thought about him from the beginning, and it has. Like, and it's just like, but no one works like him. I love when he's wrestling. I love when he's scheduled to wrestle because it is completely different than how everyone else wrestles. I'm so happy on how much of a 180 you've done on Derby. Yeah, he's just, he's just, he's pretty, he's amazing. He's like, it's like you could put him in there with anyone. You can put him in there with Jobber of the Week, and he's going to entertain you because, like I said, he's such a one-of-one of person. It's like, oh, you can be like, oh, well, this person tries to wrestle like Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega does it like this person. Darby does nothing like anyone. His finisher is a move I didn't know could be a finisher. Just like, jumping backwards <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just jumping backwards and throwing him, himself onto somebody. It's just... He's like, like I said, I've never had this extreme of a reversal on someone to where they went from like, oh my God, like, why is he even here to like, oh my God, this company doesn't work without him. 
No, not even yeah, not a, no question that it doesn't work without him. But moving on to the next segment, we had Le Champion Chris Jericho being interviewed, and it was talking about him last week on Rampage in the main event. Uh, Eddie Kingston went up against Daniel Garcia and uh, got jumped by 2.0, and Chris Jericho off commentary came out and uh, chased off 2.0, and he said he wasn't there to help out Eddie Kingston, but was there to take out 2.0 because they had already interrupted him the week before on Rampage, and then at that point, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia jumped him, hit him with a steel chair, threw him into a uh, metal, metal uh, garage door, and then they had medical attention for him afterwards. Um, so now Chris Jericho is getting involved with 2.0 and Alex Marvez. But I remember, though, like after uh, I made that 2.0 joke for NXT, but they're not utilizing 2.0, and no one cares about 2.0, even though he, they've literally been linked right now with Eddie Kingston and Chris fucking Jericho. Yeah. But 2.0 yes. isn't isn't getting anything, though. Yes, and like they literally got to, you know, Jericho's write-off is goes to 2.0. 2.0 is like one of those people that I don't understand how they did not work in the WWE. They are a WWE act in AEW. They are so sports entertainment. Like, everything they do is entertaining. Like, you want a piece? They have catchphrases. You know, they they are, like, over-the-top, overly confident, even though they're going to lose their matches. It's like, I could... There's been like 20 characters like this in the WWE and somehow the WWE couldn't use these guys. And I don't understand because they're so freaking talented. I, I don't get it. I don't I just don't get it because like some people's like, oh, they don't really fit. They do fit. Do you know how much more the 24-7 title thing would entertaining it would be if 2.0 were running around with the belts? Come on. Oh yeah. Dude. I mean, they, they they do fit that kind of billing of like somebody that you would think that would be used there. But at this point, I don't think we know what kind of billing that no, 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 WWE characters would I, be at I, this point. What I'm just saying is they're different. They bring something no, yeah. to AEW that is not an AEW. They are funny. They are asshole heels. And they don't have to win. And they're still over. And, 100%. And that's what I'm saying about 2.0. This is completely... Me just building them up because I don't know how you don't work with these dudes. They make everything entertaining. Yeah, no question about it. No question about it. But then we had the man of the hour, Leo Rush, coming out. And the entirety of Team Taz uh, was basically at the the commentary desk except for uh, uh, – fuck, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Uh, Was it Martin? Martin, no, no, it wasn't Martin. It was uh, Hook. No, Hook was there. It was it, Hook was there, and Powerhouse Hobbs was there. The one that fucking Ricky is, Starks. Ricky Starks. God okay. damn it! Why the did main, I blank yeah. on that? I, I don't know. The main fucking guy. I don't know why I for some on reason that. in my head I thought all four were out there, but actually I remember. I don't how, think he was. No. no, I remember how the kind of segment ends, and yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so. Uh, Leo Rush. Now, the, once again, this happened on the week before when we were covering um, a we weren't covering AEW that week. Uh, we had uh, the team Taz trying to sign Dante Martin away from Leo Rush, and surprisingly, Dante chose to side with uh, Team Taz. Now, Jericho, I, I mean, uh, Leo Rush comes out talking about like, look. Taz, you're a commentator. It's your job literally to know who I am, and you need to know. I've had those odds stacked against me my entire life, and this was coming off of the heels of Taz building up how 
25% of the Dynamite uh, Battle Royale, Di- Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal is going to be Team Taz members. So they said they had a 125% chance of winning, literally doing Steiner math. And look, Leo was like, I'm a fighter deep down. You know I'm a fighter. These people know I'm a fighter. So best believe I'm not going down without a fight, even if I only have a 1% chance. And then Taz starts laughing as Dante Martin and Ricky Starks then proceed to get in the face of Leo Rush. And Dante's just got this smirk on his face as he's looking at Leo. And I got to say, this is not where I thought this story was going. And that, 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 my friends, is why I love AEW. That simple thing. I did not see it going this way. I play like everything through my head, and yeah, I don't know where the fuck this is going. And I'm, that is that brings pleasure to a thirty-year wrestling fan's life because you feel like you know everything that's happening next, and I have no clue what's happening next. Yeah, I mean, like again, I thought we were going to the point where it would be like, okay, so Leo is going to be manipulating Dante, and then Dante will turn on Leo. No. Dante just jumped ship, and now all of a sudden Leo is the is the one that we're like feeling bad for and everything like that. It's not at all what I thought they were gonna go for. It's got me very interested just because like Leo as the babyface is an odd choice, and Dante as the heel is another odd choice. I want to see what they decide to do with it, um, and I want to see if they can pull it off. But I will say this is not the avenue that I thought they would go for. I don't think it's a swerve just for the sake of a swerve, though. I think they're actively trying to do something uh, to get Leo some time. And I think they're also just trying to see what they can do with Dante as a heel. But uh, we'll see what they decide to go with. But it's very interesting to see how this goes, though. Yeah, I'm interested, but this segment was flat as fuck. No, it was. The whole the whole idea of them just talking about... Uh, the percentiles and stuff like that. I was like, what, like the whole thing they were doing in before that even got up to that. And Leo eventually when he was screaming about being a fighter was able to get the crowd on his side a little bit, but the crowd really wasn't feeling what Leo was talking about at the beginning. No, no, um, no completely checked out. I mean, completely checked out. Most people were staring at their phone in a second segment, just kind of <laughs> looking around and cause I'm listening and trying to be into it. But yeah, no one was into this. The promo, though, wasn't, like, as good as it could have been, honestly. But at the same time, it, I don't think it was bad. But it, it it definitely was missing a lot to it, I feel like. But regardless, um, I do think this feud is still interesting, and what they're doing with it is still interesting. Though this segment did fall a little flat, I feel like, overall. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It was like, and it was like, I'm sitting there, and it's like, me, me and Tiffany kind of look at each other, and she was like, uh, this is this does not work <laughs> you know and tiffany's like the most positive person in the world and we're like you know this did not work at all it was like yeah like i i said it you know yeah and it, and it was like a drop that they had to try to build back up yeah and i think yeah eventually they did work their way back up to it but yeah no there was a point where it was just like well we gotta we gotta fix this <laughs> But anyways, we then had a quarterfinal match. The I believe this was the last quarterfinal match for the CBS Women's Title Tournament. The Galaxy's Greatest Alien, Chris Statlander versus Ruby Soho. This match was really good. I loved this match. I thought these two did a really good job. The crowd, I felt like, was split pretty 50-50 for each girl. Uh, there was multiple great matches. There was a spider crab that was applied, and then he, like Ruby got a buckle bomb onto her at one point. 
Ruby fired back with uh, some nice kicks and was able to hit a Poison Rana to almost get the win. Eventually, uh, Statlander was able to get a block uh, and uh, like block that no future kick from Ruby. Eventually, Ruby was still able to get the win with a roll-up, and uh, she moves on to the semifinals. They hugged after the match. Ruby's on top of the turnbuckle celebrating, but then Nyla Rose jumps her, blindsides Ruby, trying to get an advantage as we move into the semifinals and we get even closer and closer to the end of this tournament. Uh, I thought this was one of the best matches on the show, honestly. Uh, this yeah, this was my, of course, second match of the show. You can only imagine what my match of the show was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, no, this was a really good match. Uh, crowd initial, of course, Ruby, Ruby, Ruby Soho, and, like, it was kind of lulling at the beginning, but towards that middle, it, like, picked up. Lots of action, lots of excitement, and then the kind of the win out of nowhere. Uh, that was, it was a great buildup. Uh, very big Chris Statlander contingent in the audience. They were not happy with the result. Uh, yeah, I, I will say, though, honestly, like, Chris, I know people still love Ruby Soho, but, like, the, the support that people have for Chris Statlander as, like, an AEW original, like, is strong. And I think the fact that she was gone for so long with an injury and she still has that devoted love from the fans, I think, is is telling of how good she is. And I think she will eventually still be back in the race for either the TBS title or the AEW women's title. She is really fucking good. And the fact that she's still able to keep her uh, support and her momentum despite being gone with that injury for so long is telling of how good that uh, Chris is, is in AEW. But moving on, I was going to say early on with Chris, I thought she was going to be a champion by now. So I know. Yeah. Yeah. I think the injury would literally was the only thing that sidelined her from getting to that point. Yeah. So as she, you know, she seems to get her, got her legs back under her and how she's working and stuff. I I don't see it's going to be too far away. I don't know if she's the one that dethrones Brit. I don't know who that's going to be. I don't know. But yeah, like, but I am looking forward to it going forward. Yeah, but now we get into the main event of Dynamite for this week. We get into the Atlantis Street fight between the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes versus Andrade El Idolo. Uh, now, here's the situation, though. I have to ask uh, Mr. Floyd because uh, they were trying to get the crowd to do it uh, this week. It didn't work this time, but it worked last week in Chicago where Cody in his six-man match... Uh, tried to throw his belt out to the crowd, and they threw it back at him, a la ECW One Night Stand to John Cena throwing his shirt in the crowd. Now, a Cody fan caught it, and he was like, screw y'all, and started giving everybody a middle finger. I would have done the exact same fucking thing. I would have been like, are you fucking kidding me? You want me to do that just to pop you, Marks? Yes, because when Cody initially came out, he was being cheered. He got the Atlanta pop. You know, there was some booze, but mostly cheers. And then when the belt came out, it was like, oh, that I guess people think it's, you know, has become like a part of the show. You got to throw the belt back because it happened before. That dude's like, screw you. I'm keeping the belt. Yeah. Why would you yeah. think that it would throw the belt? Yeah. And, you know, and Andrade threw the belt. So it was like, he, yeah, uh, no, Andrade yeah. then threw the belt underneath the ring when that happened last week. Yeah. So it was it was like, yeah, this was. Much of a, a better reaction, you know. It was just like I love that that guy just said "screw you" to peer pressure. You know what I mean? Because a hundred percent, dude. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. I would have never done such. A, dude, I would have never done dude, that. Dude, 
a ring-worn Cody belt. Let's just say you're not a Cody fan. Let's say you hate him. I'm guessing three to five hundred on eBay at least. Yeah, you're throwing away money just to get like a small Yeah, pop. small reaction. You can say, hey, this is the belt he threw out in Atlanta. Dude, you can make money off that if you don't care about like it's not something I would sell. Like no. there would have been nothing. There would have been nothing. You you could offer me whatever you want. I wouldn't have sold it, but the dude in Atlanta, Cody's belt. Dude, yeah, you keep that and you make he money. He was the off smartest man alive. But thoughts yeah. on the guy that threw him back, like the fact of like just the 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 belt being thrown back last week, and then just the whole situation of just yeah. Cody continuing to be booed. Okay, f- first of all, they're all ungrateful asses. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Cody, Cody, Cody helped build this thing with a sledgehammer to the chair. Like that's the first. Like AEW, they had a show that night, but that's the first moment from the first show. Like, if you ever talk about, like, the big moment from the first show, it's Cody taking the slaying chamber to the chair. You know what I mean? That was, like, AEW announcing itself with authority. You know what I mean? And it's just, yeah, the fact that fans have turned on them for, I honestly don't know why. Because I would I, say, I, 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 the only thing that I could say is that because I know you were saying it because of his character, and I, I think the honest to god thing is just because the character that he's playing right now is a played out character. They, they don't think he's, you, they don't think he's original enough with his character. Yeah, and it's just, it's hilarious to me. It is what it is, you know. I, I it's, it's like, it's so weird that. And, and my friend was talking about. I don't think Cody is talented enough to overcome this. He he could overcome it tomorrow. He could overcome it. I think it also too, it's like they, they're trying they're trying to like copy and paste like a Cena hate thing to yeah. Cody that doesn't exist because the idea was like, oh, Cody always wins. It's like no, yeah. Like they're trying to apply like like peak John Cena WWE Championship run to what uh to where it's like. Boring character with a character that also doesn't lose and holds the championship at all time. They're trying to apply that to Cody, and it doesn't exist. Yeah, like, yes, he has a slightly boring character, but he does not win all the fucking time. Not at all. But if Cody turns heel tomorrow, everyone cheers him, yep. which is the exact opposite of the point of turning heel. Uh, second of all, if Cody reunites with the elite, cheer it again. You know what I mean? It's very simple to fix. But yeah. he's trying to do something different. And everybody screamed, rah, 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 I want something different. I'm tired of WWE stuff. So he's going a completely different way. And it's like, why are you doing something different? This is stupid. Do what I want you to do. Yep. And it's just like, fuck you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let Cody be Cody. Cody's going to be Cody. Like, I am a fan of Cody. I am a fan of how he storytells. Like, and that's it's great. I don't like, you know, if he sucked to me, I would say he sucked. You've been saying it. First six to eight months of this calendar year. I hated everything he was involved with. (laughs) I hated it. I hated how they've told stories with. And now they're picking it up and they're doing something and he's there. And it's just like, it's going somewhere and you can kind of tell it's going somewhere. But no one's patient enough to let it get there. Anyways. Um, do you want to take over the coverage of this Atlanta street fight, which had the internet going ablaze? No pun intended. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So Andrade comes out. Cody comes out. Oh my God. Initial pop. Huge. Initial pop. Huge. 
Then you start hearing the booze work in there because it's Atlanta. And, uh, like, that's the whole thing about AEW. They have a lot of smart fans. So they watch the show so they know Cody gets booed. So they do a lot of that. The match gets started. Uh, I think Andrade and Cody had more chemistry. Also, side note, I don't mean to cut you off. Uh, no at the opening brawl, um, Arn Anderson fell. Do we know he's okay? He is okay. He's okay. Okay. And he actually gets pissed if you ask if he's okay. But it's like, dude, you're like 60-something. All right, all good. I, just, I was just saying. And no, no, it's like you're 60-something. We got to ask. We're an yeah. asshole if we don't ask. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you see a 60-year-old man fall and you don't ask, you're kind of an asshole. Uh, so, so he's fine. He battled back there with the uh, guy, and that was fun. But yeah, it was just, it was very him and Andrade to me have more chemistry than him and Alistair, and I or Malachi. And I think Malachi and him have very good chemistry. Again, they've all had the WWE training, so it does make sense. Uh, this match was violent. Uh, he he worked underneath a lot. Um. I loved Andrade where the crowd was chanting for tables and he would pretend like he was getting a table and not give it to him. It's like, dude, he's still the heel in this one. I know he's getting cheered, but he's the heel. And his sidekick took off the shirt and I was like, good lord. That dude's ripped and more more ripped than most of the roster. I was just like, "Uh, why are you sidekick? But yeah, completely into it from every moment of this match. So they're working, they're working the leg, they're working everything. And, you know, you talk about this match and it's one spot. So Cody gets him in the corner, right? And uh, if you ever noticed, if, if some people noticed that Cody looked like he had like a sunburn and he was peeling. Yeah, and, no, uh, like yeah, my, yeah, my yeah, sister yeah. was screaming about it like, what the fuck is on his back? Yeah, so now we find out. What I figured was on his back. And yeah, so they get on the ropes. It looks like they're going to do a suplex through the tables, simple suplex through the table spot. He falls, he reverses them, and he gets up. And then you see a person jump in the ring and they take off the hood. And I guarantee you, I'm watching the whole thing. I never saw it. I never saw where she was. Brandy Rhodes. And then she starts putting liquid on the table. I was like, she's about to set this fake table on fucking fire. Huh. That's a way to go. And this could go either way. She could set the table on fire and Andre pushes Andrade pushes Cody through and pins him. Or Cody, you know, suplexes Andre Andrade through it and pin him. Well, it kinda was both. Cause he gets him and he does a reverse suplex. I don't know why they chose the suplex this way. I don't know why. It, it, like, yeah, it was like a fallaway uh, slam almost. Yeah, Cody literally takes the whole bump. Yeah, yeah. He he he's the only one that went through the flaming table. And, like, like Andrade yeah. got some flames to the face, but that's about it. Yeah, and it's just like, oh yeah, so that's what that was. That was flame retarding cream, so Cody didn't burn himself all the way, which is awesome. Yet he still had massive amount of burns that he posted on Twitter. Absolutely. No, instead. Never mind. He's not on Twitter anymore. Yeah, absolutely. He had massive amounts of burns. I actually skipped one major point. Before the match, platinum recording artist and rapper T-Pain came out, and he literally yep. sat right in front of me. Yeah, I saw the picture of, of uh, the picture of T-Pain there. Um, yeah. Uh, Tiffany's in the picture. Yeah, three feet away from, yeah, like, we're right there with T-Pain. And T-Pain's from Tallahassee, so... 
Florida State. Love T-Pain. There we go. All that good stuff. Yeah, but, and he gave yeah. Cody a chair. Yeah, and he gave Cody a chair. You a chair. And that was, that was pretty cool because he didn't know what to do. That was completely ad-libbed. He did not know that's what was about to happen. He's like, he gave him the chair, and he's like, he looks at the security guard, where's my chair? And they went and grabbed him another chair. It. it was literally ad-libbed. Cody's like, oh, I'm going to make you give me a chair. And it was just, and then T-Pain did it. It was, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, and But he suplexed him through. Cody's still on fire. Andrade literally puts his arm out. Put Cody's arm out from being on fire, and then Cody makes the pin, and it's one. It was one of those funny wrestling things where one move didn't that hurt you more than it hurt the guy who <laughs> you put through the table. This was one hundred percent that moment because Cody took the flaming bump through the table. Andrade barely, I don't even think touched the table. Actually, he might have caught a little on fire, but he never touched the table. Cody gets the pin. He then calls off. I don't know what y'all saw. Uh, he cuts a fiery promo after. I don't believe we saw the promo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he cuts a promo, and he's like, yes, I've been kind of laid back, and I've been letting you say whatever you want to say, and I've been just kind of, in essence, kind of sheepish or whatever, but I'm a goddamn lion. He's like, the world title is not in my book, but, you know, I can still show everyone that I'm the man. He's like, there's people out there that don't care about being PWI number one. Apparently, that's his goal, is to be PWI number one. But he's like, and most of the, the more they say they don't care about it, the more they do. But that's you know, that's what I want. And he, I mean, he cut the kind of promos that made he cut the kind of promo that made people love him in the first place. Which I will always say, I feel like I know. In my heart, that everything that they've done as far as getting him booed is on purpose. I just don't know where it's going because Cody's promos were the voice of AEW in that first year. You know, I'm talking about the Jericho, uh, you know, uh, the Jericho promo. The, we're the Ellis Island of a wrestling promo. You know, when he said he needed his brother after double or nothing, you you had a promo like every month or two. That was went viral from Cody doing it. And then this year, not really. The one promo that he did got him called a Trumpster. Like the one big promo he did was like, yeah. So all I got to say is I, that's why you can't say he didn't do it on purpose because he didn't cuts the promo. Everybody's behind him. Everybody's cheering him after the show. I'm like getting massive pops after the show. But, of course, no one sees it. <laughs> And he's getting massive pop. Cody, like, cheers. And it was just a, such a good moment. His family was there. His mom was there. His sister was there. All of them were there. And they got to see him. And Cody got that moment in Atlanta. So I, I just thought this was a great thing. To me, completely unnecessary spot. <laughs> but yeah that was the yeah. first time i think we've ever had a flaming table spot on national television since yeah. 2014 yeah so completely unnecessary spot but you know what i can say i was third row the night that uh that brandy set a table on fire and cody went through it so here's the funny and, thing too and about it that happened too. on tiffany's 40th birthday who as you might not as y'all might know is the biggest cody fan on earth and it's pretty much not even close. There's probably her at one, a Grand Canyon, and somewhere, there's somewhere at two that we've never heard of. Yeah, 100%. And the funny thing, too, about that about that spot, too, is that, so um, 
with my job as a broadcaster, as a sports uh, anchor up here in Alpena, uh, we have a, a system that we use where, like, uh, we're affiliate of uh, CBS, and we're we're affiliate of a lot of stations because we actually are the ABC station, the CBS station, and the Fox station up here uh, for the news station. Um, so we have access to like their their news program, which like is where all the CBS affiliates share stuff over from their show. If like, hey, if you want to use my stuff, here it is. It's like, hey, I need this footage. Uh, does anyone have that? Here you go. Someone uploaded the fucking Cody spot, the table spot, the flaming table spot. And I was like, once I saw that it was there, I'm like, you bet your fucking ass I'm using that. So I have me on my 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 sports uh, show finishing off my sports coverage for the day talking about the flaming table spot. And you didn't send that to me? I will send it to you after the show. Dude, I'm supposed to already have that. That's awesome. You got to talk about Cody on your show. I got to talk about Cody and AEW to wrap up my show. Yeah, Yeah, so I will will send that to you. That is freaking awesome. Uh, Yeah, so like, yeah, it's like I'm proud on like a whole lot of levels in that one, so I don't even need to explain it. But uh, yeah, it was was great to be there for it. I got to tell everybody, I just like nothing beats AEW live. So we did my recalculations. We we had to do some recalculations because I heard on the interview Tony Khan's covered, and he's like, "They are uh, the eight uh, the show on the boat." I did not count as any of the shows that I've been to this year because it was on the boat. I didn't even think it was canon. Tony Khan then says the matches on the boat, the matches on the boat are canon, and they will be eventually uploaded in YouTube. So they got oh. the they got the they're now a part of my list of live shows that I've seen because you're on the boat you don't have to go to the shows but I went to all four shows so now my count went up to 27 live AEW shows this year next week Hell will be fucking tw- yeah next year will be next week will be 28 and I will be done for the year Hell yeah man I'm very happy about that yeah, but anyway I've never went to like I've been a WWE fan forever and I can't say that I've ever been to that many shows in like a year. No, yeah, I I can't say that either. Honestly, with me with AEW, I think I've I think I have surpassed my WWE shows because I've seen. Well, hang on. Well, if we count NXT, so yeah, I'll I'll figure this out later. Yeah. Um, but we'll move into AEW Rampage for the night. Uh, we kicked off the show with the TNT Championship match between the debuting Tony Nice and the defending champion, the Spanish God Sammy Guevara. Uh. Like we knew, like we know, with uh, Rampage, they tend to finish off the start off the show with the main event. This match fucking rocked. Tony yeah. Nese did really fucking great stuff. At one point, Sammy uh, did a double springboard on, into a cut that his double springboard into a cutter that I love that he does every single time. Uh, Tony Nese uh, was doing some great uh, submission work in this match as well. There was like a guillotine moment over the ropes that he then. Uh, he he teamed him like over the t- over the rope and then proceeded to moonsault onto him. Uh, it was a really great match. Got this is awesome chance. Eventually, Sammy was able to get the win. Uh, buckle bomb. He gets buckle bomb, but then hits the GTH um, and gets retains the title. Uh, a great debut for Tony Nice. Uh, I know a lot of people remember him in uh, uh, the cruiserweight division in the other company. But uh, never really got a ton of viewership, or at least time to see him. Um, this was a hell of a match to open up with. Him and Sammy, like, killed it in this match. Um, and yeah, this, again, was the highlight for Rampage, as the first match tends to be. 
Uh, it was a really fucking good match. Yes, this match was amazing. Uh, I, I just thought that uh, I thought uh, I thought they did a really good job of showcasing Tony Nee saying, "Hey, I'm gonna work the ribs." He did a good job of working the ribs. Uh, uh, the Sammy did a very good job of selling the ribs. I, I, I gotta say this: somebody's got to win one of these opening challenges. Uh huh. I know it's I know it's only been. Like what Cody won in uh, April of twenty, so it, it hasn't been that long. But you're gonna just start checking out after a while until somebody wins. So yeah, it's just one of those things. I love Tony Nese, but I never thought he was winning the title, and I just think it would have been such a great moment. But I know you have to do it live. I don't think you should do a title change on the tape show. I don't. I, I I know that gives away the results to a point, but I just don't think you should do a title change on the tape show. Uh, so I understand why they didn't do it, but in this match was great. It definitely reminded me like that old school 205 Live where every match, everybody on 205 Live was just trying to just kill it and top each other. That's what it reminded me of, and it was a great match, but yeah. Uh, now, I'm not saying like I'm impatient, but I'm just saying it like it just seems like it's all. It, yeah, you, you, yeah, again, you cut, you know what the outcome is, but the, despite the fact the match was great, but you you know what the outcome yeah, is. Yeah, you know what the outcome was, and you know, like people were into it, and like I said, it's a lot of the crowd that left, so you can't. I, I can't say whether people would have been excited or whatever because yeah, like a good portion of the crowd is gone. Yeah, and it's like you don't want to change the title when some of your crowd has already disappeared. Yes. But also, I did the math in my head. I am one show away from tying my WWE show count with AEW show count. Yes. I wish I had the foresight in life to keep track of all the major wrestling shows I've been to. Because I've been through some memorable shows. But there's a lot of, like, random Raws in Oklahoma City, Raw in Dallas, SmackDown in Tulsa. Shit, I don't know. I don't like. I don't remember if I was at the yep. show or not. I yeah. My mine was a uh, house show in Flint, Michigan. Was the first show I went to. Uh, one of the last Monday Night Raws that was held. Uh, not the one that had Shane McMahon, but the Raw afterwards at Joe Louis Arena. I saw that was the one with the uh, the New Day versus the uh, the the Wyatt family in that one like like that the cinematic match that sucked. Yes. Um. And then SummerSlam 2017, the one that had the four-way with Brock, Ro- Brock Roman, uh, Braun, and Samoa Joe. Where, where, where was it? It was at the it was at the the Barclay Center. Yeah, we were both there. Let's go. And then of course NXT Takeover Brooklyn three, uh, NXT yeah, Takeover yeah, New Orleans, yeah. uh, WrestleMania 34. Yes. Uh, and then that finished off i think so that made seven i think so many places that we uh we were there together and we We were there but we didn't know yeah we didn't know uh 2017 was my best wwe year because i went to every takeover in every uh major pay-per-view that year and those were that was a great year yeah so yeah 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 so yeah i got uh, yeah rumble uh rumble takeover and rumble uh that was one of that was like my wife's first wrestling show was a takeover. Her second wrestling show was a Royal Rumble. <laughs> that's, that's the one. That's the one show I need to go to before I die. I need to go to a Rumble. Well, you know what? St. Louis is not that far from you, sir. 
It's not that bad, honestly. I'll I'll yeah. I'll, I'll, Dude, I'll see what I can do. I got Black Friday tickets, and they really ran a sale on Ticketmaster where I got two tickets in the one hundred section that were normally two fifty. I got them for one fifty a piece. God damn! Yeah, I was very excited about that. I've never got a discounted wrestling ticket like that. Like I never, I've never, I've never even thought of Cyber Monday and Black Fun and Friday as four tickets. You know what I mean? And then no, I was, you wouldn't yeah, think because Ticketmaster's stingy like that. Yeah, so I just go in and I was just like, well, this is where I want to sit. And they was like, these are normally two fifty. Cyber Monday or Black Friday sale, one fifty. I bought them immediately. I wasn't even gonna buy my tickets until January, but I got two tickets basically for the price of one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, hell, dude. Like, I mean, I I've got if I get in the fucking like rafters, I can get them for twenty five bucks. You really can't because they're just gonna. I mean, and as we get closer, they're just gonna be giving away tickets because it's not selling well. So they're just. I know because they they put it in another goddamn football field. Yeah. So yeah, it's not selling well. So like they're gonna be doing like two for three, three for four. You might be able to take the whole family for like twenty bucks. Oh god, that's my mom's worst nightmare. That's what they did in Phoenix. Yeah, but like uh, it was uh, buy one get three free. (laughs) As in Phoenix, when they were just trying to get trying to get the record number or whatever at the baseball field yeah they were like it was basically giving away tickets to get everyone in there well damn anyways off topic and then also for the AEW shows just to rattle them off uh i count all in uh double or nothing 2019 all in 2019 revolution 2020 all out 2021 and the uh first the la- the first dance for rampage those are six i lost it's by one so yeah yeah. Anyways, being there for the first dance, it's like one of those ones. It's that, it's the top yeah, show I've ever been to. No, like I just know, like years from now, everybody's like you were. They're gonna be like you were there for Punk. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because it's just like it was such a like. I'm from Oklahoma, of course, and literally they announced the first dance. I bought my plane ticket. I had my plane ticket. You remember this? I had my plane ticket yeah. before I had a ticket to the show. Yep. Yeah, I was like, I'm going. <laughs> it's like 100 percent going. It not, was like not changing. You're not changing my mind. <laughs> yeah, it was the, like it was great. It was one of the greatest experiences ever. The fact that I'm in one of the shots with CM Punk, like at there, it's like everybody's gonna say they were there. I can point to a picture and be like, I was there. I am there. There I am. So nah, I thought yeah. that was pretty. Getting cool. yeah, we'll get back and we'll quickly wrap this up. I know we've been off topic a little bit, but it's been a lot of fun. But we had Christian Cage backstage with Jurassic Express after this match. Uh, they were talking about how like they've been rolling together, they've had momentum, and that's why it's important for us to scout the match that's happening tonight. Because if it's the last thing I do, I'm gonna make sure Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are the next AEW Tag Team Champions. So. Christian saying that is a cool thing. Um, not sure if Christian needs to do that for Jurassic Express because I would think they'd be a shot for the AEW tag titles regardless. I, I feel but, like we're setting up Jungle Boy versus Christian. That's yeah, I, I was gonna say I, I kind of feel, feel like, like there's it, a heel turn coming soon. It might be possible because Christian as a heel is pretty goddamn good. Yeah, he's he's pretty amazing, and and it's like Jungle Boy kind of needs that solo win like that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a good person to get it against. Absolutely. We then had Jade Cargill facing off against the Kick Dina, the Kick Demon, uh, Janae Kai, uh, and Thunder uh, yeah. Rose. Yeah. J- or was it Janai Kai? I don't know her name, but it didn't matter. Yeah. 
Thunder Rosa was on commentary. Uh, Jade flattened her. Was yeah. the end. Match. I think yeah, beat up on her, and then mm-hmm. Thunder Rosa came down and then went after her. Literally and two moves. Literally two moves. Two moves. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's kind of what you expect. I mean, at this point, like this this Thunder Rosa Jade match needs to. I I kind of need to see something from Jade in this in this Thunder Rosa match because uh, this is. I think this is a real telling point if she's getting better because I mean it's it's been a fair amount of time that we've given her to to make sure she's gotten better with wrestling. This will be a fair, I think, judging point for her in terms of her wrestling ability. Uh, with this match, because I think that it 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 does need to develop. Her look is godlike, and she's got like the voice and the mic work to be able to carry herself. I feel like, but the wrestling work still needs to be there. And I think a match against Thunder Rosa is the biggest proving point that you'll get, because I think wrestling wise, she's one of the best that they have on the roster, just like top to bottom. Like, and she's over like Rover. So yeah, this would be a great proving point for her. It's, I want Jade to succeed. It's got to be a team effort with her. Because she yeah, has hundred percent. Because she hasn't done this long, like everybody on the roster, there's there's money if she's money. You know what I mean? So everybody has to realize that to elevate the women's division, you know, even past the level of Brit, they need Jade to succeed. So you're gonna have to work to her style and you know try to avoid her weaknesses and. You know, make her look as good as possible. It's just because she has everything else. She's money on the mic. She's got the money physique, the good looks, marketing appeal. Her Twitter game strong, even though she left Twitter today, kind of. It's like everything about her, it says champion. But everybody in the room, everybody in the room from the top persons as far as Brit and Thunder to the bottom, they have to be behind making her famous. Yeah, I mean, and again, it, it still relies also uh, on uh, on Jade getting better and making sure she no, gets better with and, her. Uh, yeah, and I definitely believe she is there, but I'm just saying it's just because, I mean, seriously, this you're talking about a person that probably took their bump, first bump, less than two years ago. Yes. This is green, green. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I mean, the only person that was good in two years was like Kurt Angle. No one gets good that fast, you know? No. And so it's like Goldberg, look at his matches. He didn't do shit, you know what I mean? And that's kind of what you got to do with Jade for right now. I think she will develop. She will get better. Just naturally working more matches, you get better. But she hasn't wrestled long enough. Like, she, she's not wrestling the 300 days a year that a lot of indie wrestlers do when they're getting better. She's wrestling... She's trying to get, I mean, I know she's practicing, I imagine, before the show, but she's trying to get better in front of people. So, yeah, that's why I said it's going to have to be a team effort. It's like it's like, it's like Josh, Justin Fields, uh, starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Like, that dude has unlimited potential. And one day, you know, when he learns to read defenses and all that stuff, you know, he's going to be elite. But until then... The offensive line has to step up. The wide receivers have to step up. The tight ends have to step up. The coaching and the play calling has to step up to make them great. That's what Jay Cargill is. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, and then we finished off the show with, first off, we had uh, the Orange Cassidy being backed out, being run down by the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. And uh, Matt Jackson was going like to Young Bucks and Best Friends, like, how about the Young Bucks 
return to tag action on Wednesday to take on best friends. You bring your two best guys. And that was a little small segment. And then we also had Eddie Kingston backstage talking about 2.0. And uh, look, you beat up Chris Jericho. I don't care. But you're going to reap what you sow, partner, uh, for going after me. And uh, it was great because 2.0 were talking shit. And then Eddie just starts laughing uncontrollably. Um, and this is to tie in with what's been happening over the last few weeks. Um, and the, the the spot where they threw coffee in his face uh, because when he was like, you didn't protect your best friend and then he stood up and got coffee in his face that was like two weeks ago that was good um but yeah so that's building into stuff that we'll get into when it happens i think uh down the road probably in the next episode of all things elite i I think it's fair to say absolutely but we finished the show off with the main event the death triangle bastard pack and one half of the aw world tag team champions penta el zero miedo taking on the triple a tag team champions ftr your boys, um, these guys did a good job. This was a really good match, I think. Uh, the team of Pac and Andrade did great work. Uh, once again, the preceding uh, factor of, hey, we are having the issues of uh, fucking godforsaken Malachi Black coming out here. Uh, Pac eventually was able to hit a moonsault to the arena floor to take out FTR. While he's outside, Malachi Black shows up, sprays poison mist into Pac, who's already got a goddamn eye patch. And then, proceedingly, Rick Knox didn't see it, and Dax proceeds to pin Pack after he's blinded. And then FTR also just ripped off Penta's mask like a bunch of bitches. And then uh, Abrahentes covers up Penta's face with his jacket, and then Malachi Black comes after uh, uh, Pack once again, proceeds to gouge his eye out, and then Malachi has blood on Pac's, uh, on his hand. It's Pack's blood. And that's how the show closed out for Rampage. Yeah, and yeah, it was a fun show. I wish more people were there for that tag match. Uh, it was a, it was really good. It wasn't better than the main of the starting match, but it was still really good. So Dax uh, comes and uh, literally gets a chair, and he's like right there, basically staring me eye to eye. And uh, he goes and starts yelling at these other people. It was just it was so cool, uh, just getting to see them work. They are just to me like so good at what they do. And it's just like, like when I get to see it live and up close, it is just an honor because I just love FTR so much. And I would just like to let y'all know that anybody concerned on the AAA, uh, AAA De Rega show, the Triple Mania De Rega or Regatta or whatever it is, the FTR successfully defended the AAA titles in a ladder match against the Lucha Bros. So... What you would consider one of the Lucha Bros specialty matches, FTR beat them at. So just remember, boom, that. they're just they're the best tag team in the world, greatest tag team in Lucha Lucha history. There you go. There you go. That was AEW Rampage, though. We're gonna get into the preview for AEW Dynamite for this upcoming Wednesday. We're gonna have the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royale, so that'll be taking place. Uh, Jamie Hader goes one on one against Riho before Riho gets her shot at the AEW Women's Championship for Dr. Britt Baker DMD after she pinned Britt Baker uh, for an opportunity, uh, which I will say was the one thing that was like slightly WWE related that I wasn't like, I kind of nitpicked because I was like, I never really liked uh, challengers getting title matches from pinning the champion already. I, I didn't absolutely really, hate that. I, I was going to say, absolutely hate it. It's just, it's like, the one thing I don't yeah, like. Anytime Anderson Silva steps in the ring, or any MMA fighter with somebody of their weight, the title is on the line. 
You can't be the champion and lose. You lose your belt. I hate it. I hate it. I wish she would have had to beat Rebel and Jamie Hayter to in get a two-on-one handicap yeah, match yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, I, there's so many different ways. You That's can do the it. one thing. Yeah, I was gonna say it's the one thing I don't like with that. That was and the it, one booking it, thing I really didn't like. And to me, when you have them beat them, it almost guarantees that they're not gonna win the title. Yes. So it's just I don't know. I don't like it. Uh, it's it's wrestling. It's pro wrestling. It's always been pro wrestling, but I still hate it. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things that me and Floyd just do not like. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, Brian Danielson goes after Johnny Hungy next on Wednesday, continuing going after uh, the Dark Order members, and then the Young Bucks have their members of best friends that they're going to be facing. Chucky T and Rocky Romero. So Rocky Romero is going to be once again appearing on Dynamite, which I'm very excited about as well. Two big things. First of all, I think this is the first time since Punk has been in AEW that he hasn't been advertised for an appearance on Dynamite. Like he's not. Yeah. Worried. They haven't announced him for commentary. They haven't said he's going to cut a promo or anything. So I think that's the first time that's happened. And this card. I love Battle Royals personally, but this is kind yes. of a weak Dynamite card. Uh-huh, yeah. No, honestly, like, the thing I'm most excited for, honestly, is the Battle Royale and Brian Danielson and John Silver. Yeah, Hater and Rio, Hater, you know, came up in uh, Joshi, so I think it's going to be, she's very comfortable with the style Rio work, so I think that's going to be an undercover good match. Yes. And, of course, John Silver's going to be, oh, Johnny Hungy's going to be as over like Rover. But, yeah, I'm thinking they might have to announce another match or two tomorrow. Because, yeah, 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 this is, this is, like, let's just say you're on the fence. And you're like, oh, it depends on the card on whether I'm going to watch Dynamite. I don't feel like, as a middle fan, this is the card that makes you tune in. Yeah, well, and again, I feel like now, because... They do consider Winter is Coming coming such a huge show, and I think it's because yeah. of how big Winter is Coming was last year that they have to make sure it's big. They're saving a lot. Yeah, this is more of a this is more of like you know a pre show for that, and I get it, but it's just like you know week to week. I just like sure just trying to give honest analysis. This is kind of a weak card, you know that kind of thing. But for sure, yeah. So uh, yeah, so that's but yeah, that's the preview, right? That's the preview, so that means we can get into a couple other headlines that we have from the world of AEW. So, Floyd, you want to get into those? Yes, uh, AEW announced February 9th they will be going to Atlantic City in New Jersey at the Jim Whelan Boardwalk Hall. This is where WrestleMania 4 and 5 were held for a big event, so I'm guessing this is going to be a monster event for them. Uh, after his loss to Sammy Guevara, it was announced that Tony Nese is officially all elite. It might have happened before. Again, I was at the pre-tape, so I don't know when they actually announced it to the world. Uh, not technically AEW related, but uh, after uh, NXT's War Games this Sunday, uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano are now free agents on tonight's episode of NXT. Von Wagner slammed Kyle O'Reilly into a steel cage and wrote him off the show. And at the end of the show, Johnny Gargano was attacked by Grayson Waller and put through a table to write him off the show. And then there was videos and pictures of Gargano saying good 
what looked like goodbye to everyone. Like, it's, uh, and it, it looked like they did it like their curtain call with, to uh, say less. And, you know, for lack of better words, and tonight on Dark, uh, Brandy Rose made her return to the rink and she won her match with the submission. Her both interest and her new submission are pretty cool. So make sure you check out Dark if you are a Brandy fan. But I believe that is all the news and notes for this week. There you go. And yeah, I will say, um, I know the rumors are flying all around, of course, with the idea of Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano becoming free agents. Um, I know some people are talking about Johnny possibly hitting the Indies again. I know uh, some people have mentioned him going to uh, PW, not, uh, not PWG, but uh, GCW, now that that's basically become the hottest independent promotion, I think, right now. Um and I know I, Kyle O'Reilly has basically been all but linked to AEW because of the yeah, UEE think, original uh, and I the Red Dragon reunion. Up. Yeah, I think that's Yeah, I mean, yeah. Up. It's just like you're talking about you're the best tag division in the world, one of the best tag divisions for the, the best tag teams for, what, four or five years was Red Dragon. How do you not bring them in? A hundred percent. And then you could possibly do the Elite versus the Undisputed Era? Come on. That's a That's a... That's a ten thousand stadium main event. Yes, no, no question about it. But that'll do it, I think, for this episode of All Things Elite, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of All Things Elite. If you guys enjoy the show, please continue to download it on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms, a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish, really means the world to us. If you would do such a thing, uh, now you can leave a rating, a review. You can leave a donation through Red Circle. You can also support us on social media. On Twitter, we are at ATElitePod, at Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all the other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And me, I've got to get some sleep because I am getting boosted tomorrow. And I'm taking my cats to get uh, some shots. So we're both getting shots, uh, all three of us. So I got to do that in the morning. But I'll let Floyd take us home for this episode of All Things Elite. I rarely do this in this time, but I do want to give a plug. Go make sure Elite POV. Make sure you check out their uh, YouTube video, Jackie. Uh, one of our coach Jackie the Draw, big FTR fan. She finally got to meet FTR. Uh, finally got to meet FTR at WrestleCade. I watched the video today. Thought it was really good. So make sure you go ahead and check that out. But I will leave you with this. It is the holiday season. If you celebrate holidays, but it's December. There is a festive mood. So just make sure when you're going out to retail places and all that stuff. I say it all the time, but especially this time of year, everybody's out buying stuff. Everybody be shopping. Be nice to the retail workers. My wife is a retail worker, uh, so I am very. This is very close to my heart. Be nice to the retail workers. Uh, just you know, be patient. You know, if you wait to December twenty second to try to get like the hottest item of the year, there's a chance it probably won't be there. Just be nice to them because they have no control over inventory. That's all I have to say. And with that, I leave you with like I always leave you, whether it's home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.